0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash Promises Pay Off.
1: LinkedIn Presents. When we acknowledge that life's biggest decisions involve both money and love, We're able to make better decisions that leave us happier and more fulfilled.
2: Good morning. It's Monday, and welcome to the next Big Idea Daily. I'm your host, Michael Kovnat, coming at you with a fresh batch of big ideas. We're going to serve you one per day this week. Don't get greedy. And over the course of the week, you'll get a full five-course meal. And this week, it's a meal with two main ingredients, money and love. That's right. This week, we're going to be talking about money And we'll be talking about love. What's more, we're going to be talking about them together, which is kind of taboo. Because you should make all your love decisions with your heart, right? Based on passion and emotion. And your money decisions should be made with your cool, rational head. That's how we've always done it, isn't it? Love and money are separate spheres, non-overlapping magisteria. And you mix them up at your peril. If you decided to date someone just based on their income, that'd be kind of gross. And if you made a career move just to be near that person you have a crush on, foolhardy. But this week, I'll be talking to two authors who think that's wrong. Their names are Myra Strober and Abby Davison, and they've written a book called Money and Love, an intelligent roadmap for life's biggest decisions. It's a new book, but it has roots stretching back decades, to when Myra was a young economics instructor at UC Berkeley. She saw herself passed over for tenure-track jobs several times, until she realized it was the fact that she had two small kids at home that kept the department chair from offering her those positions. This was 1971, when department chairs could get away with things like that. A fact worth reflecting on now that we're in Women's History Month, because While there's been a lot of social progress since then, there's no doubt that women still often face tough trade-offs between family and career. Realizing that this was a social problem more than it was her personal problem, Myra started teaching a class at Berkeley that she called Women and Work. It was a somewhat radical idea, using the lens of economics, drawing on psychology and sociology, to help students grapple with the questions of raising a family while launching an ambitious career and analyzing the political and corporate culture that made this so difficult. Some years later, Myra took a job at Stanford's Business School as one of their first female professors, in fact, and she kept teaching the class. She changed the name to Work and Family, and the course grew increasingly popular with Stanford men and women. One of those women was Abby Davison, who was pursuing her MBA when she took Myra's class. It changed her life. She and her then-boyfriend used the tools they learned from Myra to make their own decisions about marrying, having kids, and where to live. And Abby kept in touch with Myra, and after Myra retired, they decided to write a book together to bring the ideas developed in that class to the general public. And this week, we're going to bring those ideas to you. Starting with the first one, the key to the whole thing, really, the idea that money and love shouldn't be thought of separately. Here's Abby to explain
1: Decisions about money and love are profoundly intertwined. Conventional wisdom teaches us that we should take completely different approaches for these two topics. We often get advice to not let money concerns influence our decisions about love and never to allow love to influence our decisions about money, but that's a mistake because these decisions affect each other, and compartmentalizing them does us a great disservice. When we acknowledge that life's biggest decisions involve both money and love and consider them jointly, we're able to make better decisions that leave us happier and more fulfilled. Take the decision about where to live and when to move. That's not just about money. And it's not just about love. How about having children while pursuing a career? Again, not just about money or love. Thinking about big decisions holistically yields significantly better results. For example, before accepting a new job, consider how that job will impact your relationships. Because it will, whether you anticipate it or not. Before agreeing to spend the rest of your life with someone, Think about how that decision might affect your career and your finances, because it will. And the more you think about it in advance, or better yet, talk about it with the person with whom you're considering spending the rest of your life, the better off you'll be.
2: Well, hello, Myra Strober and Abby Davis, and welcome to the Next Big Idea Daily. Really glad to have you here.
0: Glad to be here.
2: I am really excited to talk to you about your book, Money and Love. Uh, those are two of my favorite topics uh, and my most bedeviling ones. And I, I understand this book came out of a class. I, I want to hear about this. I mean, this sounds like a class all of us should have had to take in elementary school or high school, if not college or grad school. And it's really a, a book about decision making, right? It's it's really, you're trying to offer a set of tools for us to grapple with these very weighty, very complicated-seeming life problems that seem almost insurmountable and trying to offer us a framework, a, a, an algorithm sort of to to work through what's the best way to solve this problem. Is that right?
0: That's right. And, you know, the conventional wisdom is that you should make money decisions and career decisions with your head and family decisions, love decisions with your heart, and never the twain shall meet. And we really think that that advice is misplaced, that you need to make decisions holistically.
2: Give me a sense of the scope of this book. Like when I hear money and love, I'm thinking "Mm, my bank account, maybe dating, but you're really getting into a lot of complicated life decisions that might not immediately be obvious. Could you, Abby, maybe you could list some of the topics that, that you get into in the book?
1: It's all of the big topics, all the big decisions that we often find ourselves facing, arranged roughly in the order that people face them. So we go from talking about dating and mating, and is this person the right one for you? Then if you decide do you want to get married or not, um, have children, combine a career with family, all the way up through uh, divorce and elder care, and then how individuals can be change agents and shift the work family system. So it really is the full gamut of life experiences that we discuss in the book.
2: Let's get back to your first big idea, which is the idea that decisions about money and love are profoundly intertwined is it hard to convince people of this approach that these things should be considered together? Because as you said, we're conditioned sort of to think of these as different spheres of life. Give me a little bit more of the case for why these need to be considered together.
0: Well, I think the most controversial of these decisions is about whom to marry or whom to spend the rest of your life with. Because um, many people think that bringing money into that decision is too materialistic that you know you make decisions about marriage based on love based on your gut and money shouldn't have any role at all and i really think that the easiest way to help people realize that money is involved in that decision is to send them to uh, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. It is a truth
1: universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife.
0: As soon as they start reading, they realize that, in fact, uh, the decision about marriage or about life partners is very much also about money. Some people uh, have no trouble with that. I had one student who uh, told the class, that she was engaged to someone and um, his family asked her to sign a prenup and uh, she said she wouldn't sign a prenup and she eventually broke the engagement and she said if he wouldn't share his money with me i wouldn't share my life with him
2: yeah but it does go against some of our romantic notions doesn't it that that love is just this passionate thing that's going to carry us wherever it will. We don't want to kind of put all this practical financial stuff around it.
1: Well, those aren't new notions. I mean, marriage used to be much more transparently an economic decision. There was a dowry. There were, you know, actual negotiations involved between families. And so this notion that marriage is really about love and, you know, you're supposed to be swept away is a relatively new one. And so that's something that we need to remember, that the current notions of marriage were not always the case, that things are evolving. uh, And that, as Myra mentions, there is a marriage market, whether you uh, really want to see it or not. We are all operating within that construct.
2: What do you mean there's a marriage market? Tell me a little more about that.
1: So when we go out and decide that we are going to join our lives with someone, whether or not you actually want to get married, since we know marriage rates are decreasing, we look around and we assess the uh, available options. And um, we might have a list in our heads, for example, of all the characteristics that we find attractive. And that might be physical looks, that might be personality, that might be a number of things, including someone's occupation, someone's family, economic situation. And those things come into play, whether or not we consciously decide that they will. And some people, as as Myra just shared the story of her student, um, do very consciously decide that and want that to be a factor in the mate that they choose.
2: So you're suggesting we sort of surface this reality that money and economics are there, whether we acknowledge it or not. And we might as well face up to it and be honest about it. Even though we think this is a pure love decision, we are making economic decisions all the time.
0: One of the things that we say is that you may be in a market, but choosing a mate or a partner uh, is not like choosing a pizza topping. You know, you don't walk around saying, I want mushrooms and peppers. <laughs> I mean, it's it's still the case that there is an attraction between people, and that attraction needs to be honored. And it, it isn't that you have in your head some list of characteristics that you need, and you know, some notion of your rank in the marriage market as you do this, otherwise, it just gets depressing and nobody makes any progress at all.
2: <laughs> I feel inspired by your work just because a lot of these decisions feel very stressful because they feel very personal and lonely kind of like i figure like this is something i have to figure out for myself and the very fact that you're offering up a process and that you're surfacing the idea that this is something everyone grapples with these problems are universal it gives me a sense that i'm not alone and it's safe to think through these things and to admit that my finances, my economics and my love relationships are confusing and messy and I don't know how to deal with them all the time.
1: Well, that was very much one of the goals is to help people feel less alone and more empowered when they're making these life decisions. Because so often we feel, and I certainly felt, that we don't, we're do not we not taught how to make these decisions and we sort of go at it blindly. Uh, And if a decision turns out well, then it was a good decision. And if a decision goes sideways, then maybe that wasn't a good decision. And the truth is that the approach that you take to making a decision is actually quite separate from the outcome. And so we offer our five-step framework as a way to give people more confidence and reassurance and help them feel less alone and more empowered.
2: I bet you're curious about that five-step framework, aren't you listeners? Well, we're going to be getting into that later this week when Myra and Abby start laying out the tools they recommend for making all your big life decisions. But maybe you're trying to make a big life decision right now and you can't wait. In that case, download our Next Big Idea app where you can find all the key insights from Money and Love. And share this episode with a friend because surely you know someone who's at some sort of crossroads and could use a little decision-making help. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow.